it might not be that they're not choosing you because you're a female, but there are things that come with being a female in a male dominated club or a male dominated industry where if you have a girl and a boy applying for a job, there are complications that a girl might bring to a team, not necessarily on off their own bat, but you know, why not go for the person who's going to be quite a safer option? Welcome to the Find the Gap podcast, where we're going to focus on the health and well-being of the support personnel and practitioners within high-performance sport. This will act as a platform for practitioners to share their own insights and experiences that have helped them progress to where they are today, as well as be a safe environment in which they can touch upon moments of vulnerability and other emotional battles in which they've had to overcome in order to be successful. My name is Sam, and thanks for joining me on the Find the Gap podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Sustainable Sports. Sustainable Sports is an apparel company designed for every athlete. Every piece of apparel is produced and made from recycled plastic bottles, which at the end of the period of use can be returned to be remade into the new model. 80% of discarded textiles can just sit there for more than 200 years, which emits methane, a powerful greenhouse gas that is more potent than carbon. Sustainable Sports looks to be the apparel company that uses 100% recycled polyester fabric to help protect the planet. Their products are designed to look and feel great in order to boost the performance of those wearing them. Sustainable Sports understands the difficulties in community level sports and the struggles that local clubs have to endure throughout the season to get the players on the park. Sustainable Sports is made up of the individuals who are passionate and involved within sports at the grassroots levels. So on today's podcast, I'm having a chat to Amelia Thomas. And Amelia Thomas, I met through working at Melbourne Victory Football Club. She's a physiotherapist who also works at Melbourne Sports Physio. And she's worked with many different football teams uh, within the Victorian region, including the, uh, the Emerging Matildas, the NTC's girls soccer team, the Old Xavier's men's soccer team, and the Werribee VFL Football Club. So I'm really keen to get uh, Amelia's insights in what she's been dealing with through the industry. Uh, always seems quite a bit positive person when we are interact in uh, at Amy Park. So keen to see what she has to say. So without any further ado, here is the episode with Amelia. Do is just repeat exactly what you just said. That is fine. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Anyway. So, uh, Amelia, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, save technical difficulties. Thank you very much for jumping on the podcast. Um, no. Now, you're just going to start it with giving me a bit of background on yourself, things like that. Yeah, perfect. Um, so, obviously, Amelia Thomas, I'm a physiotherapist here local to Essendon and Melbourne. I work out of a clinic called Melbourne Sports Physiotherapy. We have a couple of um, sites that we can work out of. Also work alongside a few physios at Melbourne Victory, mostly the women's, which were uh, champions this year, yay. And then obviously also working with a couple of local clubs. So in the past sort of have done football in in the form of uh, Werribee VFL, uh, Parkside, which is just a local Western regional group, I've done um, more soccer groups with Old Zavs and Emerging Matildas, the young Matilda girls. I did my education with Monash Physiotherapy. Um, I was supposed to start my master's this year, but canned it. It might be a bit too non-PC, but I didn't love the um, Melbourne course that I had started, so I pulled out of that one and I'll probably go on to, to back into the Latrobe one with my tail between my legs next year. Uh, and what else about me? Nothing too exciting. I think just mostly lived in Melbourne all my life. So pretty boring. 
No, not at all. You got a quite quite a good journey. And congratulations on the season last year. You guys smashed Thank it. Thank you. W it was insane. I don't think I'll ever feel again how I felt in that final where we just could not score to save our lives. I don't know. I'm sure you watched it. It was my heart was in my chest for, for 120 minutes. So for yourself being on the sidelines, walk me through that goal and how'd it feel? So, oh, it you knew it was coming. Like there was, it was going to be to the point where it's like, I actually did not believe it would come. We had so many opportunities. I think they missed at least six. The keeper saved a further four, like really, really tough saves. So we just, we didn't know if we we're going to get fined or not, but we all sprinted onto the field. And then um, very quickly, like got about 10 metres and all of us looked at each other like, oh, no, we probably shouldn't be here. So he sprinted back off the field. But obviously it was literally with 30 seconds to go. So there was almost no chance that that you hadn't won. So it was I, – if I did it again and knew that we were going to win, you'd have it that way because it was so exciting. But, uh, yeah, it was so painstaking. Like so many of my family that never watched soccer are texting me being like, can these girls score? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. From your experience within a, a team atmosphere like that, how how close knit were you guys as a team? So, as, including the athletes, um, but yeah. also the support staff. How close were you guys? Yeah, I as I said, like that was my first year with Victory, so I came into that team very new. And I think Shabul, who's my boss or head physio there, he has been with that team I think for seven years. The coach had been there for a couple of years. Um, Jaden, the strength, they all sort of knew each other quite well. So I was, and obviously the girls, they change over quite consistently. So you, you sort of never get the same, the same team every year, but I didn't know what to expect, but straight away, you just had this, this, and I mean this, honestly, this buzz the whole year just seemed a little bit exciting all year and everyone had everyone's backs and I'm sure you're most of you are aware of Lisa Devanna, one of the one of the leading Matilda players for the last 20 years. She has said openly that she has never had a connection like she did with this group. Um, and it just was a, yeah, everyone really vibed really well together, the athletes, the staff, and then the athletes and the staff, which I think can sometimes not always mm. work as well, which I've certainly seen in my in my short time as well. Yeah, for sure. It's a very common thing where that's a bit of a conflict and uh, of course, uh, battles are come up from there. Um, but studying physiotherapy and coming out of uni, uh, what were your first thoughts when you, after graduating? You're thinking, oh, I got the world at my feet. Where, where do I go? Definitely, like I think you so you hear. I remember the their piece of advice was, don't apply for a job that you don't like the look of because that's that's a really big no-no and I was just sitting there thinking well who's going to give me a job how do, how do you ever get a job if you're being super selective like you're probably not valuing um you know but particularly for me potentially how much effort and time I'd put into you know at that stage I was doing both old Xavier College and Werribee VFL as a sports trainer for four years I pretty much didn't have a night free because I was putting so much time into it and definitely was underselling <laughs> what I had to offer as a new grad. So you saw, I was definitely, I was almost anxious that I, I wouldn't get it. Oh, not that I wouldn't get a job that I'd have to accept something that I really 
just was accepting to have a job. And then once you go for a few interviews and get some really good feedback, it sort of started to feel like I could potentially do this. Yeah, good. Nice. And you've gone uh, onwards and upwards from there, which is awesome. You think that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm very um, happy with the progress. But I suppose this, you might touch on this a bit later, but there's certainly an element of imposter syndrome, I think. I think I, I've definitely spoken to a couple of my physio mates and um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jerome Lugo, but he he and I talk about it a bit because he's been uh, had a few successful roles and has had some really good opportunities. Similar to me with Victory, I'd say where, don't get me wrong, I'd certainly put a lot of time and effort in and I, I think that's that's a quality that I'm proud of. But you also are like, am I ready to be a physio for an elite sporting, you know, the top women, one of the top women's sporting clubs in Australia? Sure. Like let's let's roll with it and <laughs> see how we go. He's the one that really sparked me talking about uh the imposter syndrome because he went through so much um when he went over to the uh, stuff in this in the um basketball Victoria. Um yeah. so I was gonna ask that upon you now. I'll bring it forward in the line of questions and ask Annie while it's on the on the on our minds did you ever feel when you were going from you know private practice or within the club sport to a more interstate role of like victory or uh you know with the girls and matildas did you feel like you know hey i'm just starting here do i know everything that i should know or are you feeling that kind of symptoms of imposter syndrome at all absolutely i i think i would i would question whether i won't still feel it like 20 years in the future in terms of physiotherapy is so difficult because it's such it's open to interpretation which you probably don't want to hear that about a scientific researched area but you could see seven physios who have all different qualifications and recommendations and achievements and they'd probably treat the same injury seven different ways so I think obviously that was something that's helped me get through the imposter syndrome but there's certainly definitely an element of Am I good enough? Have I done enough? Um, do, do injuries suddenly change as you get higher up in, in the pecking order? No, they don't. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But probably, <laughs> your, yeah, your access to things that you may have gotten by without using, such as MRIs every time someone even has the slightest of pain. You know, there's lots of different elements to it that you have to get used to and are certainly new. But at the end of the day, I think physiotherapy doesn't change no matter where you are. So you just have to back yourself in that you know how to do it in a small room with, with your average Joe Blow. Why does that have to change for the elite of the elite? Which it does slightly, obviously, but yeah, helps me get through at least. Yeah, no, I got you. I got you. Um, and a lot of society in the past decade have been talking about or building up, you know, women in sport and athletes about building up, trying to get equality, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's another issue, uh, topic we could talk about for a few hours, but Aside, outside of athletes, um, do you feel like there's similar kind of talks amongst women in professional practice in high-performance sport? Like you're trying to get as much um, uh, recognition for what might be labelled as a more male-dominated industry or male-dominated profession? I think it's something that I wasn't, like you, I got told it, like, you know, private practice physio or can be very male domin dominated and, and it's quite hard. It can be quite hard as a female in that industry in private practice and in sporting clubs. And I think until you, like, I guess without un over underselling it, I grew up in an extremely comfortable 
home in a good area where you're taught, you know, in a private female school where there's not much of that because obviously you're not even surrounded by males. And then until I got in there, I probably fully understood that it, it can be quite male dominated and it can be difficult as a female to crack it. But mm. then also like you look at that example of the Chelsea physiotherapist who the guy felt uncomfortable being treated by her. So they fired her and then she sued them. And it may not be, you know, in absolutely every single club, but I certainly have felt it and have had moments where you like get sexual harassment by some of the males in the club or, and you have to sort of report that. And it might not be that they are not choosing you because you're a female, but there are things that come with being a female in a male dominated club or a male dominated industry where if you have, a girl and a boy applying for a job that have pretty similar qualifications and you rate them pretty similarly, there are things that are, there are complications that a girl might bring to a team. Mm. Um, Not necessarily on off their own bat, but you know, why not go for the person who's going to be quite a safer option because you see Gary Rowan and the physiotherapist and you can see, like I've certainly had instances in Werribee where the, there's been some uh, relationship issues with some sports trainers or physios and and the boys and that resulting in in one of the girls being asked to leave. So it certainly is is very prevalent. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. Well, and we'll we'll add on to that. But being so prevalent, why do you think it's taking so long to to not not change but almost become normality if you want to say that there's a stigma between hiring that girl who has the more complications between the boy I think like in this is my opinion and as I said I would argue it's a cultural thing potentially at the club with the males then it actually is more to do with with the girl coming in but if you're you're the hiring personnel you're not going to go and sanction your million dollar contracted player the easiest thing is to just not hire someone who's a dime a dozen and can be just swept away or swept under the rug if that makes sense yeah no no, it does it does it's not the female's fault potentially i'm Mm. not saying it's never um but it can seem that way because it's it's a cult yeah just more a cultural thing i think coming from the other end so maybe education needs to be at the other end i'm not sure yeah for sure it's it's the way that that expectation should 100% already be there kind of thing. And then almost mm. the, the, the body's hiring the physio, strength coach, whatever it might be, uh, mm. understand that, that, that expectation. And um, yeah. I just don't think we're there yet, are we? I certainly don't think so. And like not at all relating this to, to racism, but, you know, you look at Tex Walker on the weekend, like there's certainly a lot of education I think that needs to be put into to footy clubs. And it, it is a boys club. Like every time I've been part of it, it's, it's extremely, extremely um, overwhelming sometimes. Like the comments, the, the, like sometimes even the respect, like most of them are like, don't get me wrong. You build a relationship with these people that you're dealing with probably more than you'd see your own family or partner or whatever. But the comments you can hear, that some of them that can come in and, and say things to you or whatever that are just extremely disrespectful and, and whatnot. So as a female, like it may not be that you're not getting equal opportunity, but it just is a really tough gig to be in sometimes because of how they speak about people who your own 
sex mm. or, or to you yourself, which is even more surprising considering you think that you've built enough of a relationship to not have that happen with them. Yeah, for sure. Well, from your experiences then, what are the biggest comparisons between treating, you know, your girls in victory or treating the boys at the, the local footy club? Yeah, definitely. So different. And I think too, the issue, like I obviously can compare it, but there's like elite female top of their top of their league girls versus like amateur doesn't really, you know, open a can of beer after the game males. Um, yes, obviously I've dealt with Werribee VFL, but that was maybe a different role because it was more sports physio, uh, sorry, it was more sports trainer like, so not necessarily the, the physio. Um, but I found it a lot easier to be a lot more comfortable with the girls. So obviously just you, you can know that there's there's no mixed messages or or there's no ill poor communication or, or poor received intention of what your intentions are. Um, also, I suppose that just makes your job a lot easier because you don't have to worry about keeping it super, super, super professional. And I think you, and as you've touched on before, like what makes a good cohesive team is is probably just a, a good friendship and relationship with them too. Like you're seeing these athletes that are potentially experiencing their worst day in their career because they've just done their ACL or, or whatever. So having like a really good bond with them, I think can help with that process and mental health and all of that too. So I found the girls a lot easier in saying that I really enjoy doing uh, male sports physio. Um, but I must admit, you're always just that little bit more conscious of, how professional you are, like how you talk to them and what you talk about, because I think it can, what I've learned from doing the sports training at, at wherever you felt can be misconstrued or, or, you know, you can receive some, some 2am DMs or, or whatever that are, that are not necessarily how you, you know, or did, and then you start going, did I give off that vibe? I hope not. I was just doing my job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, did starting that the relationship early, is is paramount because then you can get that respect early um do you find something similar with uh do you find getting that relationship that respect early so then you can do your job effectively that's important absolutely like physiotherapy 80 percent of the time is rapport building (laughs) rapport building and getting people on the side because you know it's it's no um like secret that the most successful patients and people are ones that, that have trust in you and, and have really good rapport with you and, and believe in you. So you have a new group of girls or a new group every year, basically because of the turnaround in, in victory. And as you say, I was, with COVID, it was an even shorter preseason. So you have one month to have these, these girls trust you. And I think the best way is just almost not becoming friends. Like there's a line, but definitely becoming really really respected by them by just chatting to them treating them like humans yeah and because as a physiotherapist you know, you're obviously doing your job which um if you were just bland and and uh get rub downs the whole time it would be a pretty boring profession so you're you're constantly talking everyone you're constantly chatting and you know getting to know these guys throughout the whole season um how important is that for yourself how important is that kind of like conversation based or getting to know the 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 guys more so throughout the season i think it's so like you've got to enjoy what you do right so i think it's as much for them as it is for me and 
I, I think a lot of the reason that, that physio, well, as I said, strength and conditioners, whoever veer towards the sports side of things is that they love that team, team environment and, and that banter and, and you as a physio, you certainly want to be part of that too and, and join that, that vibe. So absolutely it's really important. And, you know, as you touched on in terms of getting rubbed down and stuff, you're, t- you're touching people. So they tend to feel really comfortable around you and will open up to you and, and talk to you about most things because I think letting someone touch you is probably one of the most as personal as it gets. And so there's already that, that pathway for you to open up with each other and, and become quite close or understand or hear a lot of about on what's going on, on on the mental health side of things or how they're doing or what their private life's like. So certainly it's as, I think as much for them as for me in terms of enjoying what I do. Hmm. And yeah. Yeah. And now hitting on, hitting on that a little bit, when you've got a really, really, really shitty day in whatever happened at a home or you had a you know death in a family, whatever it might be, how do you kind of move past that deal with what's in front of you deal with athlete a athlete b client a whatever it is how do you kind of move past your own battles hide it deal with what's in front of you i suppose so i i I love my family but they're so funny they're quite harsh um my auntie she always had like one of the funniest things she's ever said to me was because she manages a team of um she's like a Qantas manager she manages a team of, of like flight staff and whatever and you know she was telling me this story I think when I was younger about one of the girls who was crying because she'd just broken up with her boyfriend and she was like and I said to her here's a tissue go in the bathroom clean yourself up while you're at work forget about it when you get home you can cry all the way home if you want and like I guess that sort of holds true for me where I enjoy what I do and it is a bit of an outlet and you talk like I'm a very very extroverted person like my partner always laughs he's like you could literally spend 24 7 with someone and I could um so so I think that's almost an outlet for me to just go talk to an you know one of the players whilst you're treating them about what's going on with their life to distract you or you know doing what you enjoy as well in in physiotherapy so I do definitely probably just more compartmentalize chop it off um at the start before I walk in and then probably pick it back up again, depending on how bad it is, um, when I walk out again. And so what would you say keeps you well? What's some ideas or some tactics that keep you well? Probably exercise. That to me is like the best thing for me. So even if it's like 9pm at night, if I'm not feeling too great or have had a big day, like I'll certainly go out for a run or do a hit, like just something at home if it's a bit too dark. Um, that keeps me well. That That's what is probably my downtime or my sort of, that's what I use for meditation as <laughs> hit training. <laughs> yeah, like your own kind of like exercise therapy. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing worse to me than sitting there watching the girls work their asses off at training and I'm just like sort of standing on the sidelines mm-hmm. not working out so it definitely motivates me you know the second I'm done with them I'm trying to squeeze one in before I go back to clinic or whatever yeah no I could definitely relate to that don't worry but how, how is your how does your own mental health really impact your training how you operate your training how fast you run what exercises you do definitely I probably think the biggest effect on my mental health like I I I don't feel the effects from from work like obviously if you're a bit tired like it can be a bit of a drain you're not giving it 100% but 
I'm pretty good most of the time. I think what affects my mental health the most is not being having time to exercise and not being able to prioritise that um, and also not being able to prioritise, well, not even prioritise, but getting enough, like I think like everyone, sleep deprivation if you just day after day. So, I, yeah, I, I guess I probably haven't answered your question too well, but essentially sleep, getting enough sleep or making sure I, I can get at least six, seven hours in and then absolutely exercises at the top of that if I don't get that in then I do I do start to feel a little bit overwhelmed with what's going on yeah so I'm just gonna kind of assume here but correct me if I'm wrong but it's a very common thing what I've been talking with people it's like a cycle so you know the the mental well-being if it's good I exercise well if I exercise well my mental well-being's going it works in that kind of cycle yeah 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 and the other side the opposing cycle is not too great (laughs) yeah no exactly right no bad run bad mental state, bad mental state, bad run, whatever. In like, you know, that's when you go, oh, what do you do when you are feeling down or whatever? That's probably it. Like if I haven't exercised in in a day, not common, but the next morning you're treating the girls and you just feel a bit flat or, um, yeah, like it can definitely translate into into your work. So I think it's as important for your own mental health as it is for your your productivity and like, which is proven, like I'm not telling anyone anything new, but <laughs> um, definitely it's important for, for being effective in your job. Yeah. Again, and that's following my next question is you, you, you already touched on it a little bit there, but how, how important is that physical training for uh, physiotherapists in general, being able to operate, being able to stay healthy themselves, you know, to not look the part necessarily, but just to, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go through. I want you to answer the question of how you think that experiencing your own exercise is important in the industry. So like, I can't even tell you how important, like I certainly, um, for starters, they say never trust a skinny chef. Like I think you shouldn't trust a physio that doesn't exercise. I mean, I say not for the look of it, more like for the, for the, um, the experience and the understanding. And I make a point that if I have a patient come in that talks about something that they're doing or, or an exercise that I'm not familiar with, I'll go out and do it, especially if it's something easy, like I'm not telling you I'll go out and do like skydiving or something. But mm. if it's something that's that's pretty, uh, that I can access, I think it's so important to understand the requirements of it. And these days when we, we're shifting, particularly in treatments to functional strengthening and things that are relevant to the sport you're doing or to the exercise you're doing, and there's so many different types of movements and sports and skills and whatnot required. So knowing yourself what needs to be done or how it feels or how it moves is, is pretty much the, all that physiotherapy is related to. So I think just having a knowledge of that for yourself and, and knowing in yourself what that should feel like or look like or, um, you know, if it's hard, if it's even hard, like you can be prescribing 15 reps of something that you can barely do two reps yourself of, like it's probably not um, appropriate. Yeah. Well, the best example I think of that is, um, well, because people, some people do argue that, you know, you need to look the part to be a physio, to be a strength coach, to be a coach coach. Um, look at Stewie Dew. Stewie Dew is the Gold Coast Suns coach. Not the most physical specimen out there. No, no. When he was a when he was a player as well, he was a big boy. He wasn't running marathons. He wasn't uh, box to box or um, fifty to fifty. Is that a term? I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> he, he wasn't necessarily the most fit players, but he did his job and he won premierships. He did the job really, really well. Uh, and now with the Gold Coast Suns, he's doing the job well. Um, you know, good system there. He knows his stuff. 
uh, and, you know, don't need to look at physicality to represent, you know, what he, what he does, his mind, his knowledge. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, hundred percent. It's, it's, he understood the game more than his um, aesthetic were pleasing people. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So moving on from that one, I want to talk about more on on yourself, Uh, but what would you say that you're struggling with the most right now? Probably COVID. <laughs> no. um, yeah, I, I, I have to go along with that because one thing that I really, really, um, as you can appreciate and probably for yourself too, quite time poor sometimes. And so what I love about things like, which, you know, say what you want about them, but things like body fit and F45 is you walk in, everything's set up for you. It's 45 minutes of your own time. You can't have your phone on you, you exercise and then you leave. So I'm quite lucky, extremely lucky that I still go to victory during COVID because they're elite athletes. I still go to the clinic. So I'm still actually have all the the same workload pretty much, but I don't have that 45 minutes of jumping to a gym and and doing my, what's good for me and my mental health. So um, also too, I move a million miles a minute. So on the weekend, sometimes I'm just so bored. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, I think similar to everyone. I don't think it can't affect you. And if it doesn't hit me up, let me know what you're doing. Yeah. So how, and again, you touched on a little bit there, but how does that really impact you to be able to not have that 45 minute break or whatever it might be? It's as you like, probably that cascade effect of, if I don't get it done for the day, then I'm probably a bit anxious about it because um, I just physically potentially couldn't fit it in. And then it might also have that cascade effect too where like I'll be a bit flat the next day, um, potentially won't be as engaged in my patients. Like I feel sorry for the last three or four that I see for the night or whatever. Um, yeah, it just has a bit of a flow-on effect. And you can obviously break it the minute you sort of, you know, that's the best thing about exercise is the next time you do it, you feel like you you know, Forrest Gump, but it's certainly, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it can be a negative flow and effect with all yeah, of that. I get you. No, good. Uh, and then still, still adding on to that and, um, uh, and how that's impacting you, but what would you say that you're doing more or less of because of uh, these changes because of COVID and that what's impacting you and you're struggling with the moment? Probably like most people, like I'm still exercising every day, but trying to do a little bit more of just doing whatever I want to do, basically. So not feeling guilty if I spend the whole day playing cards in bed with my partner. Like usually I would be like, what a waste of time. <laughs> like obviously you can do a couple of hours, not spending time with my partner, obviously, but <laughs> um, you can be like, what a waste of time sitting in bed all day. But, you know, it's something to tick past the time. We can have a laugh about it. I think just going with whatever I feel like I want to do and then obviously not going too, too extreme where you're not exercising for five days straight and you're eating chocolate five times a day, but certainly just getting doing what it takes to get through and then maybe picking up a few pieces on the way out of, of the lockdown. Yeah, for sure. What would you say that's helpful right now for, have you got anything at the moment that is outside of your norm that you is, is helping you at the moment? 
I've certainly like, I think the two week lockdowns, I'm less concerned about it. Like I certainly can keep a good rhythm going. I think last year in the, in the longer lockdown, like I certainly got onto some meditation stuff. I went and saw a psychologist just to get on top of some, some techniques to cope with, with getting frustrated with things or, or getting disappointed when, you know, things are cancelled or whatever. So things that I did last year, I'm certainly implementing, um, bit of mindfulness walking etc and and some of the help from the psychology but um i think i'm I'm managing okay in these current ones like i yeah i'm implementing all of that to to keep going and would you recommend psychologists to most people in your practice i yeah i think it's um you know we recommend it to our patients 75 percent of the time because a lot of the pain's a bit of psychosocial but i think I think everyone struggles with something at, at some time. And as you probably talk to all the other physios or strength and conditioners or whoever you're talking to, like there's so much pressure sometimes in team environments and things can get overwhelming with, with decision-making and whatnot. So there are people who are expertly trained, like you would see a physio if you're injured, like, yes, you can look up some things or, or try it yourself, but there are also experts in that field to teach you. And I think teaching you techniques for future issues rather than, you know, it's, not to deal with anything in particular right now, but just how you cope, coping mechanisms with, with high pressure situations or, or less than ideal situations. Yeah, for sure. Now, working back through your, your entire career within the industry, where have you felt, or where do you think you've felt the most vulnerable? Where, that's a good question. Um, where and when? I'm most vulnerable, probably, I think probably victory for a fleeting second. Like it's, it's extremely supportive and like Shabul, my boss there, he's fantastic. Like he'll always back you in, um, obviously not when you're wrong, but we'll talk through some things and he's extremely supportive, but there's certainly the moment where you're first beginning, like I definitely felt like I wasn't sure how I'd fit in or, or how good I'd be, or if I would, you know, make, not make a fool of yourself, but whether you'd just completely go down the wrong pathway with something that that could be a bit embarrassing, or could it? Not that obviously you buy yourself, but could it cost someone and you know time with their injury or whatever? So I'd say that starting out in that's probably one of the most professional things I've done, um, and I think with that just comes a, a certain level of vulnerability um, with starting starting somewhere that you haven't done something before yeah no for sure that's a, it's a very common kind of thing if if you're going from um you know a practice to a, a higher performance or a higher higher team environment um mm. you know those players careers on the line there there is a lot of pressure like you said before um and you're more than you know i don't know if more than welcome is the right term but it's more than normal to feel vulnerable as a you know a, a fresh practitioner in that kind of environment and um we've also touched upon throughout a little chat about how you've you know needed confidence to just you know deal with those situations deal with those kind of like even locker room situations so where do you really tap into and find your confidence to deal with you know the vulnerability but just to be able to go about your to be able to deal with that every day yeah i think like i probably this is my opinion anyway i think that's probably what makes some of the best physios 
the best. Like I think you just, there's so many right answers with physio. Like you don't actually have to be bang on a lot of the time. And sometimes even diagnosis of actual structures we've proven is so many things are completely wrong. And it's more about just strength and conditioning basically of, of people. Um, so I think just knowing that sometimes it's not vital knowing exactly what's going on and knowing patterns of things and how things behave. Like I think just going back to your own knowledge and what you've learned and having confidence in that. So even if you don't know exactly what's going on, using your support networks, using, you know, the head train of head physio or using um, patterns or just your base knowledge to start to problem solve. And, you know, there's always, there's always someone or something to refer to um, including you know you've also got scans at your at your fingertips in that environment you've got your sports doctor I think knowing that you've got a support network um and understanding that just gave me the confidence and also you like no physio is always right or always on the money or um it's okay to make mistakes but the more people you involve and the more support you lean on the let the less that the less impact that mistake has because other people are thinking it through and, and have you back or disproving what you're saying or whatever. hundred percent. And Leah, like you said, those, um, the support network within their own team, it's huge. And, and when you said at the start mm-hmm. of the podcast, how you, you guys at victory had such a close, close knit team and close support system. And for yourself being the first, first year in that, do your wonders. You've done a very good job to be in just fall upon that role. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a lot of it's, is networking to a certain extent um and then obviously being confident and and capable when you are you know I think that came from the emerging Matilda position so obviously I was doing something there that they seemed to think looked capable to do to do this job so yeah I think at 50% networking and then 50% actually knowing knowing your shit (laughs) Hmm, yeah um now I want to ask you a few quick questions that just be like uh more of a concise kind of answer so you can just like okay that's my answer bang on there we go um but anyway so the first one I'm going to ask you is um what what would you reckon is a, a skill or ability that you've overestimated or oversold to people in the past do you mean like that I have of myself to other people? Correct. Yeah. Overestimated or oversold. I think you do that most days in physiotherapy in terms of like there, there's so, it's so often that someone comes in with just slightly different to what you'd expect and mm. like you're trying to clear things and, and to them not saying you can't tell them that you're not 100% certain in what's going on, but there is absolutely an element where you oversell how confident you are in something um, because we know that language and confidence in you is their biggest outcome predictor. So the minute you start faltering, they're going to start to lose faith and, and their rehab's going to go south. So I think you do it most days and then the minute you sort of finish with them, you get on your message channel with the rest of your practitioners and start talking the case through and, and getting a more more solid idea. So I think we oversell um, every day, well, myself included, oversell every day to, to some patients what's, what's going on or exactly some specifics or more specifications of how it's going to be treated to then go away and, and fully give them the answer that you briefly sort of touched on without lying to them, obviously. That's very important. Um, but, yeah, 
most days. I love how that that question is supposed to try to trigger vulnerability or a mistake that you've made in the past. And you've just completely flipped it on its head and say, hey, I make these mistakes every day, but I'm making productive. Yeah, yeah. literally, literally. You've done done very well there. Um, Next question question I want to ask you is, uh, can you think of an embarrassing event that's happened in the past, which has had like either a good or a bad effect on you? Yes. Sorry, let me reword that. Let me reword that. Has a permanent good or bad effect on you? Yeah, definitely. I think second year physiotherapy. So I will put my hand on my head and say I was still learning, but I was with the old Zavarians at that stage, so Xavier's old boys. And I had a guy that got quite a strong contact in his fibula. And uh, I did say to him, and the boys were backing me in a couple of times to go get an x-ray, but in that league, they didn't really care that much. So they're like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, I can run on it. And at that stage, I wasn't fully aware that the fib, being a non-weight-bearing bone, you could still weight-bear quite easily on it without any pain. Like, he was running, and he was like, no, no, it feels fine. So I was like, okay, go down and train. Went down and trained and completely fractured through his fibula, so cracked through it. So definitely I'm so on to fracture identification and I think that that the the cornerstone to me um, learning about the fibula a little bit more in depth there you go that's definitely ingrained in you permanently for sure definitely um wouldn't say it's an embarrassing event but it's um it's definitely learning curve yes yeah and like I think as you say most of the boys they would be like no you definitely said go get an x-ray it was his fault for not wanting to but like you said, you're obviously going to be embarrassed about it, especially when we're good mates now and you'll still come up to me and be like, remember that time you broke my leg? So oh, yeah. Have- it's going to, even if it wasn't completely your fault, you still got that feeling inside. You're like, oh, don't make Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, that's your profession. Like, and I was second year out. I'd done, you know, done about six months of musculoskeletal physio, but there's a certain element of you that your physio should, should be able to, you know, fracture seems like a pretty big thing. You should be able to identify quite easily. And you can be so um, conservative after that too. Like oh, I think people after that would get like the smallest ankle sprain. I'm like, x-ray, off you go. Yeah. Um, and the last kind of question I want to ask with uh, these quick fire ones, we, I say quick fire, but we've, we've rambled on about it a little bit, but um, what would your, would your ambitions as a person, when they change if you only had a year to live? Probably. In what like way? I'd probably scrap, scrap physio altogether. Like I love physio, but. I'd just travel or something. Like I just wouldn't work. Yeah, 100%. Go to a country, like do a job for one month, leave it, travel, mm-hmm. do a job for a month, leave it, travel. Yeah. Even- I think I think I do like, I don't know if you've touched on this or we'll touch on this, but I certainly don't put physio above all else. Like I, I if like Shabal has a joke, he's like, oh, don't worry, I'll work the weekend because you like your weekends. And it's true. Like, if I want to go snowboarding, I'm going to go snowboarding. If I want to go water skiing, I'm going to go water skiing. So I don't think that as much as I love physio, I don't think that's what I want my entire life to be about. I want to still do the fun things and still enjoy myself. Mm -hmm. And maybe that means further down the track, I don't get up as far or don't go as far as, as the people who dedicate their entire life to it. But I'm actually fine with that if that means I can still do everything I want to do. That's the boss you want, isn't it? The whole work weekend, you have the weekend off. Don't worry. Oh, the, I couldn't believe it. Like, I didn't even have to ask for that. I was like, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah perfect. Um, just finishing off then, you, uh, would you have any kind of advice off the top of your head for any kind of up and coming physios coming out of uni or ones that are already in the, in the industry? 
I think like I my boss when he hired me for this for Melbourne Sports Physio, he was he didn't ask for a resume, he didn't ask for qualifications. Like his biggest thing was to just like he asked silly questions almost and just wanted to have a chat to us. And I think physiotherapy is is 90% about being a personable person and and being human with people and chatting to them because a hundred percent guarantee if obviously you need to know the skills, but if they like you, they will most likely do well with you. So I'd say, you know, work on work on your personable skills and work on your communication styles and reading people's styles. So there are, you know, your logistics people who want to know the facts and the numbers and they want to know this at XYZ. And you've got your more emotive people who kind of want to chat to you half the time. So know know your people styles, know your your communication styles and, and work on them if it's not necessarily a strong suit. Yeah, for sure. It's like um, in, in uh, applying for medical school, uh, you obviously do all the, the smart tests and prove how smart yeah. you are. But then the next yeah. day, the interview is you could be Einstein yeah. and then you could be an absolute you know, no personal skills at all. Uh, kind of. That is almost equally as important as uh, as the actual smarts to get you in the school and get you into the qualification. Um, so that's good. I, I like how your employees done that. Well, I'm sure um, Connor won't mind me saying this, but I think he was pretty open about not potentially receiving the best mark for for his schooling, but his interview was he very confident he smashed. So I think they probably recognised that that was a big more important factor. The guy can chat, that's for oh, sure. Oh, yeah. He's a yeah. sweet, smooth talker, isn't he? He is. He is. He's got a way with words that even uh, makes me uh, myself weaker than he. So <laughs> um, I've got uh, another question for you, which is probably the most important one of the day. Uh, and again, based on your answer or no answer, we can always edit this bit out. But what is your best dad joke? Oh, no. I didn't think you'd say this one, so I just left it. <laughs> I've had puns. Um, I've had puns um i've had dad jokes that are associated with myself i've had dad jokes that have been researched um and i've also had people skip this entirely so it's up to you <laughs> um let me think i don't actually think i have one but i'm not i pride myself well i don't pride myself like my partner will clearly tell you how not funny i am and that's i'm not insecure about that and i just roll with it <laughs> no, i've got nothing I'm sorry i know that's so boring <laughs> that's all right um i'll have to give you a, a zero out of five stars on that one unfortunately oh. maybe <laughs> maybe if you're the second the first second appearance on the podcast you can come back with a researched uh dad joke yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um now moving more so onto yourself to finish off with where where could people reach out to you if they want to get in contact or what's next no i think as you say just getting out there networking like it's already pretty awesome um also being offered to work with the a-league this year a little bit so that's already doing a bit of networking um yeah, I think in the future, soccer is the way to go for me. Like I love football, but I've loved soccer a lot more. Um, and it's been interesting. I don't know if you want this story, but obviously a lot of people in the soccer world know Lisa Devanna. And on the first day that I rocked up, she sort of was walking around. I go, oh, sorry, what's your name? And she called uh, the coach and the head physio straight away. She's like, who's this that doesn't know who I am. <laughs> so, which is awesome. Like she's so funny. We're actually quite good friends now um, outside of soccer, but yeah, despite not knowing much about soccer, I, I've really found, well, I'm learning a lot actually, but um, the soccer world. I'll yeah, cool. And, uh, and best way to, to reach you? Yes, yeah, sorry. 
about that. Um, probably, I don't, don't really do. I probably should because that's where we're headed. Hey, but I'm not into the Instagram stuff much, but I do have an Instagram, um, Amelia Thomas 12. If you want to reach me for physiotherapy stuff, um, probably just email me. Yeah, good. And I'll, I can attach all those links and, uh, and then those emails in the show notes if people want to get in contact with you. But like, again, it's not necessary to have that stuff. There's no yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, I think it's amazing. Like, probably it's more lack of drive than anything, but what you're doing and, and obviously Jerome and stuff with all their, their online networking is so where everything's headed or if not already there right now. So it's really fantastic. But I suppose I just fill my time with, with different things and it's like snowboarding. Yeah. <laughs> People rush yeah. through it, don't enjoy the journey. You're going to go backwards. Yeah, exactly. Just striving for another qualification or another another accolade sometimes. Yeah, working for the badge rather than for the journey. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, awesome. Now, we've basically run out of the time, but I, I think we had a great chat. I got a lot out of it. I'm sure everyone that listens to this will definitely get a lot out of it. Uh, but I really, really appreciate your time having a chat with me today. We're, we're all done for the day. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. No worries, legend. I'll speak to you soon. Sounds good. So thanks for Amelia for jumping on the podcast. I really enjoyed having a chat with you. We talked in depth about being a female within what's labeled as a male-dominated industry. Uh, we also mentioned well, the issue of employers going with the, what she labeled as the safer option uh, when it comes to hiring between women and men. Uh, being involved with a team environment and how to break barriers, she really mentioned a few techniques to try and get past that. Um, training to stay well, especially during this COVID lockdown, how she keeps her wellness throughout her training and how that revolves within a cycle. And doing whatever she wants during lockdown, again, trying to stay positive and, and keeping that kind of positive mindset to keep herself well. So it's a good that she's going to enjoy her snowboarding when she can, or it sounds like she's doing well. Uh, and then also success that she talks through her, her first club within a high performance sport within Melbourne Victory. Her and the girls did well there. And again, we wish her luck for the rest of the journey through, uh, through traveling with Melbourne Victory. So if anything today has triggered you within, you, within your own mental health, uh, don't be afraid to get in contact with myself or Amelia. We're always happy to have a chat and we'll work some stuff out. So it's, uh, it's, always, it's always welcome. But for now, that's all I have time for. So I will speak to you guys next time.